you're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. Okay, welcome back to Changing Reality. On today's topic on bouncing back from setbacks in life, we are here with Nisan Shan, who is an associate um, business development. Uh, sorry, an associate uh, business development director at um, Seed Ventures, and at the same time, the co-founder of um, We the People, uh, one of the largest retail uh, stores. In specifically crowdfunding products, an amazing idea. And you heard the numbers earlier. They within eight months they hit their first million. Within one and a half years, I think they had a monthly revenue of um a hundred and eighty thousand to two hundred and twenty thousand sing dollars. So they are not someone you should mess with. But at the same time, I think when the pandemic hit, it messed with everyone. So Nissan, welcome back again after the break. How was it like um, being a startup or being a business owner during the initial stages of the pandemic? What were your thoughts? And you were just coming back from Silicon Valley, right? To just launch a new store there. So, how was that process for you returning into this landscape of, I think, a bit of confusion and turmoil? <laughs> yeah, it was mad. I think uh, yeah, we were there for set up for three weeks. We opened for just four days, and then uh, the pandemic hit. So it was a full lockdown in uh, in my area, so we had to stay home. Honestly, everything happened super fast. Um, didn't understand. And then on the next, the following week, I was back on a flight to Singapore. So uh, yeah, the shock of getting from a very high, you know, to the heights of Silicon Valley, where we had lots of a uh, very minor success in the first one month. And then coming back down to earth in Singapore, back home, huge shock. So I have to admit, huge shock. Okay, and as someone like like in this position and things like that, what when when the I think for me personally, when the MC, when here in Malaysia we had the MCO, the movement control order in Singapore with the circuit breaker, and I think around the world everyone has their own name for it, but we were all mandatorily asked to stay at home in a sense, and I think. Uh, the first two weeks that it was happening here in Malaysia, we all thought, "Oh, it's just maybe a two weeks holiday. It will end eventually. We'll get back." Um, and then suddenly, the next thing we knew, months have passed, a year has passed now. So, in that beginning stages, what was your outlook on it, and how did that change as the pandemic continued? Um, I think we just needed to adapt. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the company was looking at me. So, what's next? Um, you had to pretend. You had to look tough. You can't show any form of weakness to your staff and to your co-founders. So I guess, uh, yeah, we we just had to think of something, and through the circuit breaker, I guess it gave us some time to kind of pivot and to think of different business ideas. Perhaps something with a low cost of goods, you know, that you don't have to pay upfront. And yeah, I I think uh, the team was great. They stayed by me. Not a single employee went on a pay cut as well. So that was it during that one two months. Wow! And I and a few of the ideas that I've been reading up that you guys did. You had this um mask holder, this UV light. Can you share with us how these ideas really came about? We needed to sell something that was relevant during the period, 
So I think most of these ideas came uh, when I was, you know, working at a fruit store at night. I think I'll, we will talk about this later. But being relevant in uh, that point of time was we had to be fast. I think timing matters in our kind of industry. By being the first one to explore such sales ideas could potentially save the business. So, yeah, I guess you could boil down to intuition and speed. Okay, and you mentioned the the fruit stall and all, and I remember um, when when I was here, like uh, we were in MCO and all. There was one day where this article or this Facebook post dropped about how you were actually working in this fruit stall to prevent pay cuts for your team, to keep the business afloat, and things like that, which is something I think so noble and. Our team here in Ascendance, here in the platform I work with, Ikarius, was sharing the article around, and we were all like, "Oh my God, we wish we had half the drive and determination that Nissan does." And it kept us motivated, it kept us afloat in a sense during that point of time. So for for you, in a way, like you made this decision to actually take your time out and stay and work in this fruit stall while running with the people while all of this was going on. What motive? What what even inspired you to do this in a way before motivation? In fact, I guess it was a lack of choice. You know, when we were having that situation, sales kind of uh, plummeted almost sixty percent, and we had a large operation to run. The least I want. The employees to do is to get a severe pay cut, which was something that was occurring everywhere. You know, fifty percent, sixty percent. Some were even laid off. So instead of just going that route, why not earn some extra cash? It pays extremely well when you work during the midnight hours at the <laughs> grocery store. So I thought, like, okay, I have a pretty high endurance rate, mental resilience. So in the day. I just work on stuff on weird people, and night I work the fruit store. So I sleep maybe just、uh, four hours a day. Nothing motivated me. It was just pure,、um, just out of money and trying to keep my team afloat, so that you know at least they have, or rather they know that their finance、um, situation, financial situation, is taken care of. They could just focus on the bigger picture. Okay, I think that that is. Again, very noble and very forward thinking that most people might not have thought about. Like during as a boss during this time, everyone's worried about the business, but you, as to the name, we the people who are worried about the people. And I think that that just goes to show what a good leader you were. And I think one one question that I had to ask is first of all, how do you function on three to four hours of sleep? How is that even possible? <laughs> I think it's、uh, something that I've not. And I think I read somewhere that we were talking that day, and you mentioned some of your best ideas actually came from working in this fruit store, right? So, how do I picture this? You were on sleep deprived mode. You were focusing on your we the people. You were at the store itself, but yet you were getting these best ideas. How did that happen? In a way, intuition. Intuition. <laughs> intuition. I guess. I guess. Uh, uh, we more time, time than more ideas flow. 
So, so uh, that kind of some, some people some might people need more rest, rest to, to think of, think more, of ideas. more ideas. I think I, think I just need more time, time to think of, think more, of more ideas. So that was so me. that was me. Okay, okay, that's a uh, that's very nice. And while this was going on on one side. And um, you're putting the hours, day and night, literally to keep things afloat. You also try to make things as easy as possible. I think for your suppliers, for the your stakeholders, and sets. I think I um, another thing that I, if I'm not mistaken, you guys introduced this. You actually dropped your consignment rates for some of your creators, your uh, partners, who are, your suppliers, and all. How did that? Like, why did you make that decision? In a way? I think, I think the point is that the focus on the bigger picture. You know, we, you know, we, we kind of have a credit with every one of our suppliers. So, so the, point the point is to make sales and not, and not to be here about the same condition. So by, so by doing that, that, I think I think people are more motivated to work with you. And they, and they know that in the tough times, uh, they are still getting you more sales, pushing it. So, so business, business is all about people. You just have, you just have to find, find a way to make them comfortable, comfortable and it works out there. Okay, wow. And while you were doing all of this, you were also putting your best into the grocery store you were working at and all. And I, I think you were posting some videos, you were taking like, um, if you mentioned you did like almost everything in the grocery store from mopping the floors to even becoming a kind of influencer with your I don't know your videos about the fruit how to pick different fruits and all so why did you do that in a way like you could have just focused on like um like the job that you had but you went the extra mile why in a way you know it's you know, super, it's super boring, boring to work at a fruit store right? <laughs> <laughs> super, super boring, boring. I'm sorry but boring. it's very boring uh, I took the midnight shift so, so not much, not much people, people. So, uh, so uh, I, I had, had to keep a wing working, working on the ideas. ideas. Then, then uh, why not just live life on a high and try something different? Make the best, make the best of every, every hour or the meeting you have. I think I find more meaning in that. And I think, I think having, having that fun, fun factor in everything you do kind of helps keep you awake, awake and afloat. And motivated as well. People kind of appreciate the fun. And they love, they are fun stuff. So why not? Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> that is a very nice story. So sometimes you do things just to keep yourself motivated. That's nice to know that you actually take that, put some fun into it. Because I think I would have probably died if I had to work at a fruit store every night. And I and I really admire your determination for that. Um, we are going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll share a little bit more about some of the more serious challenges um, that you may have faced. Actually, all of them are serious, but some of the other equally as serious challenges that you would have faced as an entrepreneur during this time, as well as some of the things that um, I think you were actually out in the papers again for something when you had this disagreement with some of your uh, the companies that were, that you were renting space at and I think that's a very interesting story and you handled it very well so we'll just give that little spoiler for our audience and come back after the break and talk more about it You're listening to Changing Reality Changing Reality where we bend reality all across the world Only on WQHS Radio Okay, welcome back to Changing Reality. So we've had, I think, a very um, 
personal and very insightful um, session so far here on our topic of bouncing back from setbacks in life. And we're here with Nissan, who is sharing about his journey with We the People, um, a tale of re- uh, sorry, a chain of retail so- uh, uh, stores, not just in Singapore but in places all across the world here in Malaysia and Silicon Valley and so many others and how actually um, he as an individual as a business owner made headlines for truly putting his company first putting the people first and finding unconventional ways to actually um, manage the pandemic and manage the impact that it was having on his business and I remember the first time that I saw Nissan made headlines was for the his innovative idea of actually working in this fruit store during the nights to be able to ensure that none of his um, employees had a pay cut at all, which again, hats off to you. And I think the second time that I actually saw We The People in the last one year make headlines again was in this story of, um, with one of the places that I think you were setting up a store at. So I remember the headline was something like Sun Tech City Bully Small Business We the People into Paying 132,000 Sing Dollars um, Sorry, uh, Despite Never Opening So Nissan, what was this? What was the story in a way? Um, yeah, we, we were supposed to open a huge mega store uh, with our office, with the storage and then I think the pandemic hit we signed a contract um, you know, way before the pandemic. We had to close for four months and we, we tried to negotiate some of the rental for four months, but not a single person responded, you know? And yeah, so we, I tried always to, to reach out every way that I did, but of course, uh, you know, when it came to the crunch and uh, we needed to get an answer, with no answers, I just went to social media and I did what I needed to do. <laughs> yep. So within, uh, I would say, seven hours, we had like 200 over shares on uh, this issue. And uh, I had a... Yeah, I got a call the next day to meet up. So great. I guess it worked. Okay. And alright, so when all out of options go to social media, that's a very um, that's a very good tip. But um, so I assume that this whole story blew up. It sounds very unfair in my point of view. What happened next? What did they actually tell you when you got this call and when they actually spoke to you about it? I'm sure they were very forgiving and gave you back um, your deposit and said, sorry, Nissan, that we couldn't open. Did that happen or did something completely different occur? Um... I mean, I signed a non-disclosure agreement, you know, with them to kind of end off the situation. So, it kind of drew a lot of media attention, like a lot. Most like even the mothership, we had like independent that featured there. And it's, it's just normal that, uh, you know, there were lots of uh, critics that were saying, hey, you know what, don't be a strawberry, it's just business, pay up. But I guess uh, if, if it was their money, I bet the reactions will be extremely different you know so I didn't bother much about the critics but there were so many tenants or small business owners who felt the same way but they didn't have much uh, power because they were fearful of what would come increment of rental might chase them out so many people were afraid but I guess youth have its powers and with youth I would believe I'm still youthful at 32 um it gave me a lot of courage and confidence to approach the matter 
But all in all, all I can say is that I walk off a really happy man. <laughs> Okay, okay, and I like what you said. No, okay, I'm very glad that you had a happy ending. But um, I think the fact that you actually took this stand is very big, and I think that many times um, there is situations where we, as a small business, or as a, I think you are not a small business, you're quite, quite large. But as you mentioned, small business owners often get bullied into things. They just pay up, or they are in fear of larger organizations. They are in fear of other people actually um, having the power to shut them down or to. Bring them out of business, and you mentioned that um, being young, thirty-two is still very young for a business owner. But like um, being young, you have that courage in a sense to actually do make that choice and um, actually go head to head in a way with this larger corporation that you that was being a little bit unfair. So, what would like your thoughts be for anyone else in a similar position for any other um, small business owners who may not have the courage to stand up against larger corporations what well, what's your take on it i would say you've done nothing wrong you know it's just a pandemic that hit us so be re- re- reasonable when uh, you know in every discussion you can have with your landlord i think it's best to become remove emotion from every single situation that you have and be rational and confident i think you will find a way out but always remember remove emotion out of every situation okay okay yeah remove emotion i try that as much as i can but i'm going to be honest at times maybe it's cuz i'm still a teenage girl in many aspects that my emotions still get the better of me in many situations and um you've done so many amazing things in the last one year and i and i just wanted to touch on something that personally made me very emotional when i read it but um i think in the end of last year you did make the decision to um cease operations for we the people and that is definitely not an easy decision with the pandemic and with everything that was happening i think that there is a lot of reason behind it but how how did you feel about it like how like i don't think i'd have the emotional strength to do that in a sense i guess um i had a mentor last year who saw me through the you know this period of time and he is actually my current boss now at the vc so I think one thing he said which I've mentioned on the show just a while ago is that remove emotion out of every situation. You know, never go into a business with oh, business is all about passion and drive and determination. No, business is just numbers. Business is about making sales. Business is accountability to your shareholders. Nothing else. And if it doesn't work out, It doesn't work out. Never be emotionally attached to it. You know, I mentioned it before. Imagine if you were to take a test to go into a university. That test is passion, drive, determination. If you can't get past that, forget about university. <laughs> forget about business because you have not reached level two. So, we were still making money. but because we took so much loans that the revenue just couldn't cover our loans operating cost is extremely thin it gets more tiring so we or rather i made the decision on behalf of everyone um to pull the plug but there was about one month before and i told them you know what uh, this will be our final month i appreciate everyone but uh 
I think it's better to move on and survive. And yeah, then that was it. So if my mentor gave me that that statement, you know, remove emotion out of the situation. Um, yes, it was emotional to close something that we have viewed so much. You know, for a very small business to even enter Silicon Valley is such a big privilege, which I really appreciate. But at the end of the day, I guess we still just have to survive. No point in business. We always say, don't use good money to chase bad money. <laughs> Choose your battles. Fight another day. Oh, yeah. That's a. I think that's a very good statement. Don't. Okay. Can you explain more about that? Like that. That little yeah, quote I, that you shared. I mean, it's it's you know you have two different types of stress. The stress of being poor. And the stress of wanting to be rich and wanting to be successful, successful, wanting to create impacts in lives, both are stressful, you know. So choose your stress, you know. That's generic, but in business, sometimes if it's not going to work out, there's no point in forcing something out of the situation. And of course, uh, you can talk about perseverance, and you know, if you tight over this stage, then maybe you will be fine. But I guess there are many different contexts to that. For me, I just couldn't pay off the loans, and if I were to carry on, it just means a deeper financial burden. So, in my context, I had to pull the plug. Um, you never know. You know, with no tourists, the business model is not going to work. So why waste time? And you, we could probably start again someday, but. Guess what? We all need to eat. We need to live, so live to fight another day. <laughs> you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be successful. You can still work in an MNC. You can still work in SME. You know, you could still be studying. It doesn't matter. We determine our success. Okay, I think that is very meaningful, and I think many times um that fear of what will happen to us next. Is always there, like if and personally for me, it's、uh, a fear of failure. If this doesn't work, what do I do, and so on. But right now, I think that you have something amazing. You are actually an associate business development partner at Seed Ventures.、Uh, that is not an easy role, I would say. And you are now on the other side of the table、um, in the、uh, venture capital world. But how did you get there? In a sense, like what happened after we the people stopped, like. Were people like like what was the response from the community? How did you find a job? Like all of these, I think, what like um fearful questions that we often have before we stop something. How did you answer them on the other side? I guess with you know with what we did and with the credentials that when you build during the business period, being honourable when you close and being honourable to all stakeholders kind of give you a reputation that hey you know what. Like Nissan is trustworthy. He has seen it through the worst. He was honourable. He did things the right way. So when I closed with the people, I had tons of job offers,、wow. tons of business opportunities to get involved with. So it was just a point of、uh, choosing. And I mentioned that my boss was the one that actually. Help me tight through the most difficult period of my life last year. So he was like, "Hey, you know what, Nissan? 
what are your plans? I was like, no plans, just gonna chill the year out. So this was sometime in uh, November. And he was like, do you want a job? So I was like, I'm just considering a few options, you know. So I said, what job, um, you know, do you have? Do you have a friend who wants to hire? He was like, no, a job at the, the VC with me. I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Zero hesitation. I think it's very important to know that gratitude in life matters. It's important to know and to follow someone who has placed the kind of trust and faith in you. It's always good to have a good boss. So there were quite a few, there were two other offers from different VCs. And I thought like, okay, I'm just going with this because firstly, intuition. Secondly, gratitude to my boss. And uh, I have been hosting uh, one of their shows every Thursday and I kind of resonate with uh, their vision. So it was, uh, yeah, beggars can't be choosers as well. So I said, okay, yes, let's do it. Okay, that's very straightforward. Very straightforward. No, you had so many options and then the gratitude thing is very important. But um, it's very nice. Like it's very, I think it's a very nice story that you actually got back on your feet. You actually bounced back and you're actually doing something that is equally, I think, important in the same space. So you were an entrepreneur, you revolutionized an industry, and then now you are in the venture capitalist space. So with all your experiences, um, having run with the people, even with talking to us, what do you see now um, in hindsight as someone on who's now looking at startups um, instead of running the startup itself? What do you see differently in a way? I think I see shades of myself and what I used to do, the mistakes I used to make when I was a startup. And right now, we are the ones that judge, you know, we're the <laughs> ones that pass judgment. You are the Shark Tank panel now. So we, we work exactly like how Shark Tank is like for those of you guys who If you watch Shark Tank, um, that is exactly what we do. But of course, there's so much more. Um, so I do lots of financial analysis on their on their financial statements. I do if I see if they their projections are right, if they are investable as a team, if the founders are credible. So yeah, we, we have so many emails every day for pitches. So of course we do host them on our show every Thursday night. Three pitches and we have like a QA with our LPs. LP stands for limited partners, which are like investors of a VC firm. So for us, um, we account to our shareholders and we we are fund managers. These extremely rich people give us the money and then we have to use their money wisely to invest in private equity, which are startups. So being on this other side gives me the privilege of knowing what you know startups should do and perhaps when I restart business again then uh, you know this is so handy it's such a privileged job there are certain things that we analyze which we don't disclose because in a way um, we are the investors we are the buy side so we need some leeway to to have over the startups but of course we value it with strategic connections you know being a startup always look for a VC or work with a VC that not just gives you the money 
provide strategic and green lane connections to perhaps sales channels or advice. What you can do in two years, they can help you achieve in six months. So if there is a fit, go work with a VC. Wow. Okay. Again, I feel like more people like you should be running VCs. Uh, just like my final question for you, Nissan. What would your you went through this whole journey? Now you are still contributing to people's growth, and you. I think you have a lot of experience in the role that you have now. But for all of the rest who are still struggling to get back on their feet. Of in in light of a future obstacle, because there's never, I think, an end to problems and issues. How does one like in your advice? What is the one thing we need to be able to bounce back from setbacks? What's your thought on it? I think mental resilience plays a huge role. You know, I mentioned earlier, remove emotion out of every single business decision that you make. Passion, drive, hard work. To be honest. Um, like I said, that's the test to you going into university. So, bouncing back from a setback is just very normal. Be prepared because business means just a lot of rejections, rejections, and rejections. <laughs> so you have to prove yourself. You know, as mentioned earlier in the show, sales is the only ultimate proof of concept. But you have to convince people. The CEO or the founder have to be. Represented the right way to the public. So, not just about rejections. You get sales when you wear your heart on your sleeve. People know that, and over time, these rejections might turn into perhaps sales. So, I think bouncing back from such setbacks just means you get stronger, and mental resilience. Just these two words. Play the biggest role when you encounter such a problem. Always live to find another day. Never be too emotional about things. Okay, that's very very good insight. And I think that right now, I think that's what keeps all. Of, that's what differentiates people who are still staying strong and people who have, I think, completely given up hope on doing anything in life again. So. Thank you for this session, Nissan. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I appreciate the time. Thank you for hosting me.、Um, for those of you guys that are listening,、um, forget about COVID. Just move on with the new world. Find new beginnings and just go ahead. <laughs> okay, I will take that advice personally as well, and I. All of you too, whether you're a student, a startup owner, or whether you're someone who is thinking about starting your own business, or if you're working somewhere, very good, very good, sound advice. So with that, I think our show today has drawn to a close. Once again, Nissan, you've been phenomenal to talk to. Do make sure that you guys read up about Nissan, the different things that he's done.、Uh, go watch their show on Seed Ventures as well. So that you are more familiar with the things that he does, I think there's so many lessons that we can learn through his Facebook postings, at the very least, that have been keeping us inspired、um, here personally and also with my own startup descendants. So with that, I think、uh, thank you all for listening into today's episode of Changing Reality. We will be back again next week at 10 p.m. EST、um, for on every Thursday night. For this semester, so we look forward to hearing、uh, more of your questions, more of the things that you want to listen to. 
um, here on the show. So Changing Reality, this is Harsha signing off. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.